taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Psalm 34, verse 8. Church, do you know that the Lord is good? This morning, as David and I gathered for a few minutes and prayed before uh, the early service, my children were with me and uh, they heard me as children uh, listen so well. They heard me say uh, a portion of that verse. And so my my daughter, Kinsley, who's five, asked me, Daddy, how can we, what do you mean? How can we taste the Lord? What are you saying there? And that's a difficult thing to explain, certainly a difficult thing to explain to a five-year-old. But as is often the case in biblical poetry, uh, the psalmist is employing figurative language to invite us to Uh, experience the goodness of God, inviting us to trust in the Lord. For those who trust in the Lord, experience His His goodness. Those that recognize who He is, know that everything He makes and everything He is, is is good. And there's nothing in all of the world that satisfies to the extent that trusting and knowing the God of Scripture is. Satisfy. So let me invite you this morning to look at the scriptures with me from First Peter chapter two, near the end of uh, our completed portions of God's word. First Peter chapter two, near the end of the New Testament, as we have been journeying through this letter together. And Peter, who was a follower of Christ, uh, knew the the longing that every genuine follower of Christ feels to to know God more, the, the desire to know Jesus more, to experience His goodness to seek his presence. And so he, as one who knows the scriptures well, he communicates that very truth. He, he alludes to that, that psalm, Psalm 34, 8, and he interprets it and applies it in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, inviting his listeners, his hearers, his audience that spans centuries since since he wrote this letter in the first century, to continually crave more and more of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look at this text together. Let me invite you to join me standing uh, this morning out of reverence for uh, the one whose word it is that we are reading. Today we pick up in First Peter chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 1. And there the Bible reads this way. It says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to Him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to Him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in the scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have 
received mercy. And Father, we invite you now to speak to us, Lord, as we sang already this morning, Lord, to help us grasp these truths, timeless truths from the dawn of time and understand them and apply them in the power of your spirit to our lives as your people today, as your children. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Well, you may be seated. If you were here last week as we looked at God's word uh, together, you may remember that uh, we were called upon as the redeemed, as those who've experienced redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ, to indeed live as if we have been redeemed. In other words, the saved are called upon to live as if they have been saved. And the saved, according to the scriptures, I believe, want to grow in Christ. The saved want to grow in Christ. They want to grow in their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the opening of this section, as you would imagine, in a letter builds upon the previous section. So verses 1 through 3 of chapter 2 pick right up where Peter leaves off in chapter 1. And we saw at the end of chapter 1, verse 22, that Peter uh, exhorts his Christian audience to love one another deeply from the heart. Verse 23, because they are those who have been born again. So they're called upon to grow in this walk with Christ, to live out their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe this growth is described in a couple of ways here in this portion of God's Word. And the first is this, that growth is practiced by loving fellow believers. Growth is practiced by loving fellow believers. So as the recipients of the gospel, as those who have heard and responded with repentance and faith to the message of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and the Lord Jesus Christ alone, Peter calls upon his Christian audience to to live as if they are saved. He says, therefore, verse 1, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. In other words, to get rid of these sort of things that are inconsistent with a life that acknowledges, that confesses, Jesus Christ as, as Lord. In other words, not to be characterized by those things. They are the saved. They have been redeemed. They've been purchased. They have experienced forgiveness of sins and, and new life. And by the way, you're either saved or you are not saved. You're either saved by the blood of Jesus Christ or you are, are not. There is no continuum according to God's word of Some folks that are somewhat saved, some folks that are more saved, and some folks that are really saved. According to the message of the Bible, no one barely makes it in heaven and no one barely misses heaven. You either are invited in by the blood of Jesus Christ as those who have been purchased and redeemed through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, or or you are not. And the saved are called upon to long for Christ, grow in Christ and to practice their love for the Lord by loving fellow believers. And all of these sins that we are cautioned against in chapter 2, verse 1, to rid ourselves up, rid ourselves up seem to uh, imply a, a masking, a pretending, deceit and hypocrisy and envy. Peter says there's no place for such things. For those that, that know Christ... Who have experienced the love of God as displayed through the gospel of Jesus Christ 
no longer can have ill will toward others. They want to work for the good of others and especially those of the household of, of faith. So I want to ask you this morning as you reflect on your own spiritual walk, are you living as one of Christ? Are you living as His or pretending to be His? As you examine your own heart and your position before God today, are you living as a follower of Jesus Christ or are you pretending to be a follower of Jesus Christ? I think Billy Graham was was right on this, that there are many across our nation and perhaps around the world, but especially in our nation that claim allegiance to Christ, who perhaps even gather for worship on Sunday morning that that do not know Christ that have not repented and turned away from sin and self and embraced Jesus Christ as Lord. Friends, there is no room for pretending to follow Jesus. You either know Jesus and long for Jesus and desire to follow in His way, or you do not. As those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, as those who have trusted in Christ for salvation as the saved, let's live as the saved. Let's live as the redeemed, and let's practice our our salvation by a desire to grow in our spiritual walk, a growth that is practiced by loving fellow believers, and secondly, a growth that is fostered by feasting on God's Word. Growth is fostered by feasting on God's Word. Look back at 1 Peter chapter 2, picking up in verse 2, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it, You may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Ever spend any time at all around infants, then you know babies, newborn babies, want milk and they want it often. They don't understand mealtime in the way that we understand mealtime. They don't eat a 7 o'clock breakfast and a 12 o'clock lunch and a 6 o'clock dinner and call it quits. They, They want milk and they want it regularly, and when they want it, they want it right then. And what Peter is saying here is, if you know Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ as Lord, whether you're a new convert or or a mature believer, in the way that a baby intensely desires milk, eagerly desire the Word of God. Eagerly hunger for God and the things of God. Desire to read His Word and to hear His Word and to meditate on His Word and to memorize His Word and to hear the truths of His His Word proclaimed. For this is the message. Chapter 1, verse 25. This is the Word. This is the Gospel that was preached to you. You see, those who have tasted the goodness of God as made known through His Word, eagerly want more of Him. Want to know Him. Want to live for Him. Want to grow in faith in Him. So have you tasted the goodness of God? Man or woman, boy or girl, have you tasted the goodness of God? Have you heard the message of the Gospel and responded with repentance and faith, giving your life to Jesus Christ as Lord? Have you experienced the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness of the Almighty God, the Maker of heaven and earth, as has been displayed through the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you long for Him? Do you continually crave more and more of 
Jesus Christ. The saved want to grow in Christ. And next, Peter reminds us through this letter that the saved are also given a new identity and purpose. The saved want to grow in Christ, and the saved are given a new identity and a new purpose. Verses 4 through 10 are characterized by language as well as much of the New Testament of a new identity, a new position, a new status, and a new ministry for those who know and follow Jesus Christ. And it's a position and a ministry that is grounded upon position and the status and the identity and the ministry of, of Jesus Christ Himself. For He is our Lord, verse 3, and He is the living stone Verse 4, implying that he is superior to the old dead stones that built the temple, the house of, of worship. And he is the one who was chosen by God and precious to him. Verse 4, and he is the precious cornerstone. Verse 6, meaning he is the most important stone in the whole structure and foundation of, of this temple. And he is the one who is trustworthy. Verse 6. He is the one who is the foundation of this spiritual temple that is comprised of believers in Jesus Christ who are the dwelling place of God's Spirit. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22, Paul writes, and he says, And in Christ, and in Christ, in Him, you, Jews, Gentiles, followers of Jesus, are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And God is at work in creating, setting apart a people to be his people who will be the recipients of his spirit, whom he will dwell among. Christ followers are consecrated, are set apart. Christ followers are set apart from the rest of the world. Verse 5 You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And again in verse 9 he says, But you, believers, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. In other words, those who know and follow Jesus Christ have been set apart in the way that Israel was set apart as people of faith, as people of God, and thereby are called upon to be distinct in the world. This is the reason Jesus calls us as followers of of Him to be salt and to be light, Matthew chapter 5. Salt and light are distinct in the world. Salt gives flavor and helps prevent corruption. And likewise, we are called upon to be distinct. We are called upon to work to make the world a purer place and a better place, not because we in and of ourselves are better than those in the world, but because we have received a unique position and identity and status before the Most High God. Not because we chose God's love, but because we are the recipients of His love. For we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that we may declare the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into His wonderful light. And the truth is that everyone doesn't enjoy such a status Everyone is not part of that distinct group. All are invited, but all are not included. For many don't believe. Many reject the message of salvation through 
Christ. In fact, Peter writes in verse 7, Now to you who believe this stone, this Jesus is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. The truth is, according to the Scriptures, that everyone will respond to Jesus in one way or another. Everyone will either respond in this life and repent of sin and embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior or reject Jesus as intrusive and undesirable and seemingly unnecessary or will bow before Him. Romans chapter 14, verse 11, And the King of kings and Lord of lords returns, but on that day it will be too, too late to become one of of His. The message of the Gospel is urgent and a faith response is necessary in order to be forgiven in order to be reconciled to the Most High God. So let me ask you, friends, this morning, are you stumbling over Jesus or trusting in Jesus? Where are you in, in your spiritual journey? Not where is your spouse or your mother or your daughter? Where are you? Are you stumbling over Jesus or trusting in, in Jesus? You see, the message of the Gospel is, is good news, but... Before it's good news, it's, it's some bad news. There is some bad news. The scriptures are clear that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 and following, we read that there is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. In other words, no one, no man or woman or boy or girl has lived up to the perfect standard of the holy and the righteous and the just God. But even so, God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. And 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. And the one who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. This doesn't mean that we won't face hardships. It doesn't mean that we won't face troubles. It doesn't mean that we won't face trials and disappointment and illness and grieving and and death. But what it does mean is that in the end, when Christ returns and for all of eternity, we will not be disappointed. We will not be put to shame. We will forever enjoy the presence of the Most High God through Jesus Christ our, our Lord. So... As you hear the message of the gospel conveyed in the scriptures this morning, don't stumble, friends, over the only one who can save you. If you have questions about what it means to to know this Jesus in the way that the Bible conveys, questions about what it means to repent of sin and trust in Jesus for salvation, then know that I would love to talk with you about that. I would love to open the scriptures with you point you to the truth of, of the gospel. There's no more urgent decision that any of us could, could make. As we respond, as we stand and sing a hymn of response at a few moments, know that if, if you have questions about that then, in that moment, and the Lord is leading you to have those answered, 
know that I'll be down here, I'll be down front, I'll be joining you in responding to the truths of God's Word, examining my own heart and worshiping God, but know that I am available to you in that moment. You come if the Lord leads you to pursue Him and you have questions about what that means. Know that immediately following the service, I'll be in the foyer, I'll be next to the welcome desk. would love to talk with you and to pray with you about that further as many of the other folks in this room would. Don't stumble over the cornerstone. Don't stumble over the King of kings and Lord of lords, the only one who can save you from your sins. Trust in Jesus today. Cry out to Jesus today. Repent and turn to Jesus today. For Christ's followers are consecrated, are set apart. And Christ's followers, according to 1 Peter chapter 2, are also being recreated. Christ's followers are set apart. They're consecrated. And Christ's followers are being recreated. Verse 5. You also, like living stones, Christians, are being built into a spiritual house. The truth is that God is at work in the lives of His people. He is dwelling among His people. His Spirit is within His people. And He is continually working in our lives to conform us more and more to the image of His Son, our Lord. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, so that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. God is at work by His Holy Spirit, residing in believers, guiding us that we might become more and more in character like the character of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Christ followers are consecrated. Christ followers are being recreated. And thirdly, Christ followers are welcomed by God. Christ followers are welcomed by God. And this is really, really good news. Verse Five, you also, believers, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You know, many of us this time of year uh, watch uh, a certain sport that comes on TV quite regularly where two opposing teams stand on opposite sides of a field and try to advance a ball down the field to the other uh, end zone. And there are two main ways that uh, the ball is advanced down the field. One is uh, by running the ball downfield and pass the defenders. And the other is by passing the ball downfield. And those who run the ball downfield uh, are typically described as, as running backs. They carry the ball and they depend on the offensive linemen in front of them to create a gap, to create a hole that they might pass through. But as they set out, no matter how good they are, they don't know how they're going to be received. They don't know if they're going to make it through. They don't know if a way will be opened, if they'll be able to move and to advance down the field. It depends on a variety of variables, but not so believers as we desire to enter into the presence of the Most High God to worship Him, to bow before Him, to experience His goodness and provision. We know that for followers of Jesus Christ, He welcomes us into His presence time and time again through the blood of Jesus Christ. A way has been provided. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 and following. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence 
to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is His body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with, with pure water. Church, the author of Hebrews is writing to a probably primarily Jewish audience who would have been very familiar with the Scriptures, and he is alluding to the Old Testament temple and priestly system where there was only one who was allowed to enter into the most holy place that was where God dwelt in a special way among His people. That was the, the high priest. And even then, the high priest could only enter the most holy place on certain occasions, once a year on the Day of Atonement. And so what the author of Hebrews is saying here, and what I think Peter is alluding to here, is absolutely shocking to those who are familiar with that system because no longer do we go through a human priest or mediary We go only and boldly, confidently through the blood of Jesus Christ our Lord, knowing that God Almighty welcomes us into His presence, that we might enjoy Him. The curtain has been torn in two from top to bottom, inviting us in confidently through the blood of Jesus Christ. No longer do we come into His presence through animal sacrifices. We attempt to make atonement for our sins, for Jesus has made the ultimate sacrifice, paid the ultimate price that, meet, that we might enter in. And instead, we bring a different kind of sacrifices. We bring sacrifices of praise and sacrifices of service before the Most High God. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. Through Jesus, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise the fruit of lips that openly profess His name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Believers, what an honor it is. It's not a chore to worship this God. What an honor, what a privilege it is for us to undertake to come before the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one and only God Almighty through the blood of Jesus Christ, knowing that He welcomes us into His presence as His children. Christ followers are consecrated. Christ followers are being recreated. Christ followers are welcomed by God. And fourthly, Christ followers are commissioned to the world. Christ followers are com- commissioned to the world. First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. For once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You see, those that know this saving mercy of, of God are provoked to want more and more of Him and are continually prodded to proclaim His greatness to the rest of the world. So let me ask you this this morning, do you desire more of Him? Are you continually craving the Lord Jesus Christ and are you declaring His saving grace to the people of the world? Do you know His saving grace? Are you counted as one of God's people? Are you counted as 
one of God's people? Do you know where the hope of salvation lies? Have you received peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord? Have you received His saving grace? Do you know His saving mercy? You see, through Jesus, we get a new way of living. Church, through Jesus, we get a a new way of living here and now and for all of eternity. A new longing for Him and a new ministry of, of service to Him and a new mission to proclaim His greatness to the rest of the world. So as those who've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus church, let's let's live the Jesus way. Let's declare the greatness of the one who has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves for our good, for the good of those around us and ultimately for the glory of our great God. Father, we thank you that indeed you are a God who saves that you are a God who, who knows us and who fashioned us together in your likeness, in your image. And despite our sin, despite our rebellion, despite our going our own way, Lord, you have rescued us through Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord. Father, we thank you for that message. Lord, I pray that it would be a message and a truth that is continually on our hearts as your people that we as the saved would indeed desire to grow in our walks with you. Father, that we would desire more and more of, of you knowing that you satisfy that longing, knowing that you satisfy that craving. Father, thank you for making yourself known to us. Father, thank you for uh, the words of Scripture which are words of life. Help us now, Lord, as we respond in a way that glorifies you as we respond in the way that your spirit leads. Lead us now as your people, as we worship you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen.